Hey, Marie, how's it going? Doing good. How are you? I am doing great. So some big things have happened for both of us this week. Yeah. So it's been a pretty exciting week. Why don't you go ahead and go first? I feel like I've been dominating the podcast for the past few weeks with book stuff. And I do have some book stuff I want to talk about this week. But uh, what's going on with Limit Life? Yeah, so crazy week. I sound a little croaky because been up sort of till 2 a.m. the last couple of nights just trying to do customer service and customer support stuff. We made a massive change this week. So we changed our pricing model. You and I have talked a lot about pricing model on and off air. <laughs> I mean, we've said this on previous episodes, but pricing has been one of the hardest things for us to figure out as an early stage startup. It's just, you know, nobody's an expert in pricing when they, they start a business. It's, it's quite a specialized kind of skill set, I suppose. And also you don't know how your customers are going to react. So pricing right. is not just you going, hey, I want to do this price. Like it's it's sort of a, a balance between trying to help the most number of people, but making the business sustainable and also trying to figure out like what people are willing to to pay for, like how much value do they see in your product and getting that balance right is just has been super tricky. We've tried a ton of different things like combinations. Basically where we netted out is that we were trying a freemium model, freemium being you have a free offering and then you can pay to get some additional upgrade features but you have a basic free offering and we tried that for a year so I think we gave it a good amount of time and in that year we didn't just stay still we tried a few different price points we tried moving some of the features from you know the premium features into free and the free to premium features like what's that kind of combination yeah we just couldn't get it to work and if anything, I think we stayed on it a little bit too long. Mm -hmm. When I say we couldn't get it to work, just for a bit of context, because I posted about this on Twitter and I got a bunch of questions and I kind of said, I'll answer them on the pod because it's really hard to answer stuff on, on Twitter because there's no context. Like people ask very direct questions, but it's like, but you don't know anything about the business or what we're trying to account for. So I want it to be in that context, I guess. Right. Because yeah. otherwise it's not helpful to anyone. So for context, we have three people at Llama Life. So there's the team is, is still small. It's me and two other people. So when I say like we've got to make the business sustainable, it's kind of like, well, can we afford to pay like three people to do this full time? So that's kind of where the starting point is. We do have a bit of funding as well. So I don't know if that's immediately clear to people on Twitter either. Llama Life started off bootstrapped. So I, I bootstrapped it myself to 700 customers. Now we have like... 30,000 or something like that. And it's not bootstrapped anymore. So we do have a pre-seed round. It wasn't a, a huge pre-seed round, but there is some outside funding that came in. Quick, the, the 30,000, that's including free users, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's yeah. total. That's total. Yeah. We did raise a pre-seed round about a year and a half ago. But just because you raise money, that doesn't mean that... All your problems are solved. All your problems are <laughs> solved. The reason you raise money is to kind of give your business a, a kickstart and see if you can grow it from there. Because sometimes it's very, very hard to bootstrap specific types of businesses, especially B2C businesses like what we are. So we do have a bit of the investor money there. But even then, like that's not never ending, right? So at some point, you either need to raise more money or you need to become profitable. And so we're kind of thinking about those things as well. But you can't just go raise money if you don't have the numbers to raise money on. Like you, if you go to an investor and say, hey, I want this much money, it's like, well, how's your business going so far? Can you tell me about you know, how many paying customers you have, any traction? 
So all those things need to line up as well. So what we're trying to do is basically put the business in a good position to either become profitable or raise the next round. And in order to do that, we needed to remove the free plan, basically remove this freemium model. We now have a free trial, which was always there for seven days. And then there's a paywall. So if you like it after the free trial, you can pay for it. Otherwise, there's no access. Mm -hmm. And it was a really, really big decision because it just feels quite scary to like have to email all these people and say, hey, there's no more free plan. And the bulk of our users are free which is why it wasn't sustainable. Right, right. And so I sent that email yesterday, slightly nerve wracking, but everybody has been super nice about it and very supportive. And we got so many emails back just saying like, take my money, <laughs> like stuff like that. Because <laughs> you announced another plan as well. You didn't just oh, yeah. take away the free plan. Sure. We um, also put in a lifetime plan. Which we had talked about sort of, we were talking about lifetime plans. I don't remember, like a few months ago or something, we were sort of talking yeah. about the pros and cons of that. And so now you've done that with Llama Life and uh, you basically kind of priced it at like what it would be like two and a half years ish of an annual plans basically, right? Yeah, yeah. That's an experiment. We'll see how that goes. I mean, we've got a monthly subscription, an annual subscription, and then we have this lifetime plan, which is a pay once option. And yes, like you said, it's sort of equal to about two and a half years on an annual plan. I guess you could call it like a lifetime value. That's kind of the technical term is what's a customer's lifetime value? And then you try and price it around that. Right, right. How long do you think somebody would on average stay around? There's a lot. We talked a lot about the uh, lifetime deal sort of thing versus subscriptions, like you said, a couple of episodes back. I'm not like fully opposed to it. I do think in a way it's just like getting some of that revenue up front, which helps kickstart the business a bit. But we'll see how it goes. So I, I think that was very well received as well a lot of people jumped on that yeah that's probably fun watching the notifications come in for that after you sent the email <laughs> yeah it's been good it's been good so i would say <laughs> overall like really happy with the reactions so far the other thing is you can't please everybody so we're trying to i think we've only had one email which i told you before but it wasn't like i wouldn't say it was super negative it was still very like balanced but that was like one out of like i don't know how many we got. I was up till 2 a.m. replying to people. <laughs> I guess the big question is people are saying like, why do you think this didn't work? Like, why do you think freemium didn't work? You're saying like other developers and stuff on Twitter are asking yeah. that or your customers? No, no, sorry. Yeah, developers on Twitter or other sort of right. indie makers and founders going, freemium doesn't work. Yeah, we agree. Like it just doesn't work. And I kind of want to caveat that a bit because I do think that for some businesses it could work. It just didn't work for Llama Life. And I'll give you some reasons why. So I think the type of product is super important and the type of audience as well. So our product is a productivity tool and it's supposed to be a very simple tool as well. So we do have lots of different features, but they're like small features which add up to a whole. And for us, we are a to-do list with timers against each task. That's the core of it. Right. And there's a lot of products like that the way we differentiate ourselves is based on the, the user experience, like the design, how you feel when you use the product. And my gut feeling is that if you're on a free plan, you're only getting half of the experience that we want you to have and therefore not the, not the full value of it, right? And right. it's not the intended experience. It's not really what I want you to see. And like, I had this feeling all along, it's like, well all the free plan users are just getting half the product. You know, they're not, they're not really getting like all the benefits. 
it's not even just that like, oh, there's some features are missing, but it like totally changes how you feel because of the kind of app that you have. It's exactly. like it changes your feel and your experience of the app. So it's like, it's not just like, oh, they're getting the app and they can't access this one feature. No, yes. it's more, they're getting a subpar version of the app. That's exactly right. Yeah. There are features that you don't get on the free version, but like, it's not just a feature cutoff. And you're like, oh, I'm missing out on that feature. It's an experience cutoff. Right. Yeah, I just felt like people getting a subpar experience. And if you get a subpar experience, you're not getting the value. And maybe if you don't get the value, you're like, well, I'm not going to pay. You know, so <laughs> right. I'm, kinda, I'm really happy where it is now in that everything we add to the app, we know is adding to the experience. And we get to control the full experience that somebody might have. And it just feels a lot cleaner to do it this way. Right. And like I said, this is the nature of our product. Someone else's product might be really different. Like you might have one or two killer features that are just a really, really big features that would tip someone over to say, hey, I'm going to pay for that product. Ours is not like that. Ours is more about a lot of little things adding up yeah. to a whole experience that makes you feel great and therefore you feel value and you you subscribe or, or pay for that product. Yeah, I think I think the types of apps that do work well with a freemium model are the kind where there's like a useful set of features that you can use. And then there's like another set that's like a very clear power user kind of feature. But mm -hmm. it's also one that enough of the audience is going to want that you're going to get enough of that kind of transfer because you don't you don't want a product that like 95 percent of your users can use for free. Like that's just going to be like long term, like I don't know if that's the right percentage, but like long term, like there has to be a high enough percentage of the people that are going to switch to pay mm -hmm. to be able to support like the whole, you know, the whole enterprise, the whole thing you've got going on. Because like you said, you've got three employees and like employees. having to deal with, or sorry, three, three people total, three people total including yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and maintaining customer support for that, uh, that base and everything. So yeah, I think it. It makes a lot of sense. And like you said, because uh, it was about a, was it a year ago that you switched to freemium? Yeah. And when we, when we originally did the switch, it was really bad. <laughs> like I knew, yeah. I, I felt straight away that I had this like reaction. I was like, did I make the wrong decision? Because when we introduced the free plan, we got hit from both ends. We had paying users cancel because they were like, maybe the free version is enough. Yeah, that's that's a really bad sign. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we had people not upgrading because they're like, same reason. Maybe the free version is enough. Right, and people were literally telling you that, right? Yeah, yeah. We had people emailing us going, "Your free version's too good," and I'm like, "Wait, who does that? Who actually emails someone to say, charge me more, charge <laughs> me for this because your free version's way too good?" Mm -hmm. And again, it sort of comes back to the product and the type of features they're all like lots of small features that make a whole it's not like we can say just pull this one star feature out and we actually did look at that a lot we were like is there one key thing that we pull out that would would really tip things over for somebody and we did try a couple of things but it, it wasn't enough to to move that needle right we'll see how it goes the other thing that you kind of touched on is customer support as a small team, it's very, very hard to support a large customer base. You end up mm -hmm. spending like half your day doing customer support. <laughs> and I believe in customer support. Like if you're offering a product, you do need to support it. But if you're supporting a, a huge group of users who never intend to upgrade, it's not great for a business. It's just not sustainable. 
our goal is to be around for a long time, right? So we need to make these changes now in order to be around, to be able to help people in the long term. So it's a, it was a really hard decision, but I'm like, I feel pretty good about it now. Nice. And we'll see how we go in the next few months. Yeah. It seems like so far, like you said, most, almost all the feedback you've gotten has been pretty positive and like people wanting to sign up, you know, switching to their annual plan or doing the lifetime plan. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty exciting. Hopefully this will be like the opposite of last year when you switched to freemium and you're like, maybe this was a mistake. Mm. Hopefully this year, you know, a couple months in, you'll look back and be like, I'm so glad we pulled the trigger and we made that switch when we needed to. The other thing a lot of people don't say about freemium is it's actually, it can be an acquisition strategy. Like it can be a marketing strategy. That's you know, the other thing that you need to think about because, you know, when we first did it, I guess the bet we were making. So when, when with business, I feel like everything is, is kind of like a little bet that you make, like sort of hedging bets, like would mm-hmm. this work or would that work? And the bet that we were making was that if we went freemium, we would increase the size of the pie. Like we would get so many more customers that even though they were free, we would convert a certain percentage of them, which would cover the overall cost. And that can definitely work for for products that have like millions and millions of users, but we're not there yet. We didn't get there either with the freemium model. That bet didn't, we lost that bet basically. (laughs) Right. And I think part of that is also because we're, we're kind of like a niche product. If we were just a straight to do list, that could be different. That's a very general product. A lot of to do list apps just have this freemium model, but we're not just a to-do list. We're more like a focus tool. It's a niche product. Mm-hmm. And I think with niche products, you can't really bet on having that size audience, at least not at the stage we're at. Like that's the other thing is like at this stage, does it make sense? No. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's kind of what we're thinking and uh, let's see how it goes. We're getting a lot of support from the community, which is amazing. Like I always knew Llama Life had a great community, but it's just like, I was quite moved actually. I was like, oh my gosh, like everybody's being so supportive about this. People literally emailing us going, take my money. Right. You know that emoji with the, was it like a Simpsons character? I think it is. Is it a Simpsons character? There's some meme that says take my money. Oh, oh, it's a Futurama. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Futurama. uh, Fry, I think his name is. I didn't, I didn't watch a lot he's of like I think it's the, Fry and he's holding the money out. Yeah. Yeah. So Take we, got, my money. we got some of that. And then um, <laughs> one thing we always do is we always grandfather in any paying customer. So like if you're, if you paid for Lama Life, like in the early days, like whatever you paid then is kind of the plan that you stick on. Right. We don't ever sort of go back and change that on somebody. And if you're a current user and you want to switch a plan, you know, to the lifetime plan, we're, we're doing that as well. So people just need to email us because it's, you can't just automatically switch just the way it's set up. It's not easy just to switch it over, but we're just going through a bunch of emails now, like <laughs> manually, like moving people if they want to move. But yeah, it's, it's good. How about you? You've had some big moves as well with the book this week. Yeah. Yeah. So I finally, the pre-orders are live now, which is very, very exciting. That's for the ebook. So I'm hoping to get some print pre-orders available soon, but if you just, anyone goes to extrafocusbook.com, that's where you can pre-order. And I've got like links to Amazon for the, you know, the Kindle version and Kobo and Apple books and uh, one more uh, Barnes and Noble. And then I also have international links and stuff too. So I've got all that set up, which is awesome. And I also, I think last week we talked about the setup I did for like the bonus material. So when you get the book, you can like 
you know, get the bonuses. The instructions for that are on the site. So some people have started doing that now that pre-orders are open today, which has been kind of fun. I can go in there and see like, oh, this many emails have gone through. It's been a really exciting day. I knew it would be kind of fun. Like, hey, people are actually finally buying it. But one, the Amazon dashboard that like shows you pre-orders, it actually is updated pretty regularly. I didn't know what it was going to be, but it seems like every, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes it's updating. Mm-hmm. And so I've been watching, you know, refreshing that like ridiculous. But the other thing that's happened that I didn't know is that apparently pre-order sales count for like your ranking. So there's like the, you know, getting like bestseller in a category and things like that pre-order numbers do count for that, which means I can now say that Extra Focus is a number one Amazon bestseller because it's hit that Mm. in several of uh, the categories, which has been, it's pretty crazy. I I can't, I can't believe it. It's very, very fun to watch. It's like the equivalent of like you go on product hunt and you get like number one product of the day and you can (laughs) put that badge on your landing page. For eternity, like that's, yeah, you achieve exactly. that, it's a fact, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that has been uh, super fun, just watching that. And just seeing, just seeing like a list and it's like, oh, these are all the like, like the huge books that I know. Like Casey Davis is up there and uh, Ned Hallowell, like all those books that I know that are like huge in this space. There I am right there, right next to them, just like on the same list. And there's, it's a crazy feeling. So that's been super fun this week. Um, I'm also, we were talking a little bit before <laughs> before the show about just, there's so many things that I'm learning through this whole process. Uh, one of the things I am not loving right now is that Amazon, the way they handle like your book cover mm. is just like, I just don't understand. You have like one spot where you can upload the image for your cover. And that is the image that shows up when you buy, when you uh, purchase an ebook and download it to your Kindle. Like there's the first page where it has like, if you're viewing it on an iPad, it's in color, but otherwise, you know, obviously black and white on the Kindle. But that's like the graphic that's like, oh, this is what the real cover looks like. So Amazon, you have that one place to upload that image. And then Amazon takes that and creates the thumbnail that you see on the purchase site. But they compress the image like, I don't know, it looks like they've just like compressed, like gone through a cycle and compressed it over and over again, like 10 times because it looks just like so bad. And I know I'm like being hypercritical because like I know what it should look like. And so I'm just seeing like all those little compression artifacts in there. As soon as I saw it, I've been like uploading new versions. I'm like doing, trying all the all the tricks I can to see what I can do that whatever algorithm they have that does the compression, I'm like trying to make it so it doesn't make me cringe. My goal is that I can look at it without <laughs> cringing. <laughs> so I had a look at it before and I can definitely see what you're talking about. It looks compressed. But at the same time, like I've never noticed this for any other book that I've purchased. It might be one of those things as well. Like if, if it was me, I think I would feel the same way. I'd be like, oh, you're destroying the cover art. <laughs> that I spent so much time agonizing over each pixel. But it might be one of those cases where like we as makers kind of care about these things way more than other people. And Mm. I think when I look at a thumbnail of a book on Amazon, it's for me, it's more just a recognition thing. It's like, oh, that book, like I know what it is. And then I'll actually go and read the description in the Amazon listing versus trying to like pour over all the details on the cover, but I I totally, as a maker, like I totally feel like where you're coming from, but I don't know, it might be one of those things where it's diminishing returns as well, like trying to figure out that algorithm. Yeah. I had some issues with this with 
Twitter slash X a while back. Like I kept uploading videos and I couldn't figure out like their compression algorithm. Like, should I compress my own videos first to get a really <laughs> small file size so, so Twitter doesn't destroy it? Or should I upload like the raw like file size and let them deal with it? Like which is going to be the better outcome? I still haven't figured it out. I don't really know. Like, but I kind <laughs> right. of just um, stopped caring about it. And I'm like, you know, whatever. I think that's what I need to do. I mean, yeah, there's part of me that's like, why? It just dri it drives me nuts because I know the nuts and bolts of this. Mm -hmm. So what I know, like the reason they do this is because they want it to be the right type of file. Mm -hmm. They want it to be the right dimensions and they want it to be under a certain like kilobyte size. Like yep. I get all that. So just tell me what you want it to be and I will provide that. Oh, I understand yeah. that other people won't. Just tell me exactly what you need and I can provide that. So knowing that like if I had the ability to do that, I could have a better image there. It eats me up. But I did like one last ditch <laughs> effort to see if this new image that I posted works. And it hasn't. It, that's the other thing. It kind of caches. So you never know when it's going to update with the new image. But I think if that one doesn't look all that great, I'm probably just going to go back to the original one, which is basically just like the raw, like what the print cover looks like. And I'm just mm -hmm. going to have to ignore the fact that it compresses it and it breaks my heart. <laughs> you know, the other thing is like on Kindle, everything looks crap anyway. Like I've had so many instances where I look at the Kindle cover and it's all blotchy and I'm like, my thought is like, it's, oh, it's just Kindle. Right. Yeah. And, and also, mm. you know, you made a point earlier as well when we're talking off air, you were saying that um, once you're in a book, like reading it, you never, on a Kindle, you never really go back and look at the cover. Right. Yeah. It's more a recognition thing. But, but I, I, I totally feel where you're coming from. <laughs> it's painful. It's pain. It's painful. Yeah. But I mean, the, the other side is like everything else has been super awesome. Like watching it rank number one in several different categories, mm -hmm. uh, especially like specifically like the attention deficit disorder category, like being number one there is like huge, super cool. It's like not some random obscure category, but it's like literally the category that describes what my book is about. And so, yeah, it's been it's been real fun watching the numbers and all that. And I don't know how I'm going to get any work done going forward because I'm just going to be refreshing those, <laughs> those those pages all the time. The other thing that's interesting, I think, I don't remember if I talked about this before. I probably did. But just real quick, I so as doing self-publishing, I go through several different sites. So like I do Amazon's KDP, and that does the ebook and the print book all through Amazon. Mm -hmm. And then I'm... I'm doing the same for Kobo for which does they only do ebooks and then I'm using a third one called Draft to Digital and that's they kind of send the ebook out to everyone including Apple Books and like the Barnes and Noble Nook store and then the last one is Ingram Spark and that's the so that's my second printer so I have Amazon's printer that is just for Amazon and then Ingram Spark which is for everybody else and the thing I don't know yet is what that looks like. Because it seems that pre-orders should be available through other stores now for the print book because of the Ingram Spark distributor. But that's a whole thing. Like, I still, I don't know how that works. I'm like, presumably somewhere you can pre-order the print version of the book, but I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so I can't add it to the site to link people to it. So that's something that hopefully when next week I'll have a better idea of how that works. Because I thought I knew what it worked and then I kind of like put it live and now I'm like I'm kind of lost I'm like how do I have to go to these like into it do I have to go to Barnes and Noble and request it for them to like talk to Ingram's that's like this whole distributor world that I haven't quite mm. figured out yet 
But anyway, things are moving and pre-orders are now live and everything is awesome. <laughs> well, I've pre-ordered mine and I'm uh, looking forward to getting it in a, is it a few weeks? No, a month. About a month? Uh, yeah, about three weeks, I think. I guess about a month from today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome, awesome. Cool. Um, I think we're pretty much on time. That's that's crazy. I, sorry, I'm like slightly distracted because my team's like messaging me going, there's some issue with the app. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I think, um, uh, yeah, I probably have to go look at this. But, um, yeah, I guess whenever you make a big change, like I must have forgot to do something. But there's like a couple of people who are subscribed. You can't access something. I must cool. have like well, it left sounds in. like maybe we'll be talking about this next week uh, when you figure <laughs> out how to fix whatever this new issue is. I must have just left like some flag in there, like accidentally said, because um, there's, there's quite a few different groups. There's um, free trial. After the free trial, it's like free trial over. So that's when there's a paywall now mm. and then a paid user. But before that, there was lots of, lots of different conditions in like the code. Like if you are in this category, like you've got access to this, that and that. So there's like a, there's a lot of little things that we had to change in order to, you know, do this, this latest, um, pricing model change. So, I uh, must've just left something out. So I need to go, <laughs> I need to go look at that. Um, anyway, uh, that all, it's all fun, right? Like this all, this is what happens. This is kind of early stage business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still exciting. It's exciting <laughs> when something goes wrong too, because you're like, oh my God, I need to fix it like right now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, it's probably a good place to break and... I guess we'll chat next week. Awesome. Well, uh, good luck uh, fixing that bug. And yeah, I'll see you next week.